0: Welcome to Top of Mind, the show where we talk to real estate industry insiders and experts about the biggest trends impacting the market today. Enjoy the show. Mike Simonson here. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to the Top of Mind podcast. This is where I talk to the smartest leaders, thinkers and doers in the real estate industry. For a few years now, we've been sharing the latest Altos Research market data every week in our weekly video series. With our new Top of Mind podcast, we're looking to add some context to the discussion about what's happening in the market from from the leaders in the industry. Every week, Altos Research tracks every home for sale in the country, all the pricing, the supply and demand, all the changes in that data, and we make it available to you before you see it in the traditional channels. People desperately need to know what's happening in the real estate market right now, it's been so hot and so competitive, and now suddenly the landscape is changing. So visit altosresearch.com for a free consultation, how you can use market data in your business, whether you're agent, broker, or investors and traders, all kinds of people are we're, we're working with all kinds of people to help understand what's going on right now. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest today kevin oakley kevin is a managing partner at do you convert he's one of the most trusted names in new home marketing to builders and developers across the country we he has 17 years of experience running marketing and sales operations for home builders of all shapes and sizes all areas including nvr miranda Heartland Homes. Kevin is now a managing partner at Do You Convert, which is a leading provider of digital marketing for home builders. And we'll talk about Do You Convert a little bit, but we're really looking, we're talking about home building in general today and the future of the home building market and the trends there. Kevin's background gives him a unique perspective on the challenges in today's market. And he's the author of Pre Sale Without Fail, Secret to Launching New Communities with Maximum Results. And he also hosts the Market Proof Marketing podcast. So we're going to talk about new construction, about what to expect, as especially as this housing market suddenly looks very different from a few months ago. At Altos, we don't specialize in new construction, and I personally, it's it's kind of outside my personal area too, because it's it's kind of funny. Like I don't live in places where they build new homes, so yeah. I have a ton to learn today. So Kevin. Welcome.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me, Mike, and really giving the two of us an excuse just to hang out. And you know, we'll hit record and let everyone else listen in. But I'm looking forward to having this discussion for the same reasons, albeit from the other side as as you are. And I I always hear the the skeptics and and the naysayers in the back of my mind because I, I know my audience so well. And one of the one of the questions would be, what is a marketer? know about business in the, in the traditional sense if you run an agency and your job is to to drive traffic and run ads do you really know the intricacies of a business and that's where the background both in in where i come from working for home building companies again of all shapes and sizes and it definitely helps and the other is that a do you convert we we actually work it in the f- kind of what i would call the full stack of the home buyer journey so we help builders get traffic to their websites, we help them with conversion. And then beyond that, we start working with them inside the CRM and inside sales roles of what, what how do we respond to those leads and inquiries when they come in. And so we don't just look at data in terms of traffic and clicks and, and cost per, per thousand impressions. We're also able to look at kind of that, that whole pipeline. And so having, having that full view, means that we don't just focus on things that cause noise but things that cause sales and and when sales and appointments aren't happening we dive in and and get in in deep with with our builder partners on that stuff. So, both from background and what we do every day, we're not just talking about driving traffic. We're, we're really focused on on getting appointments and
0: sales for for builders. So, and that perspective is actually really powerful right now like and i'm interested in talking about like what's actually happening with the leads and the sales for for builders along the way and you actually have prior to do your convert you were you were running some of the builders yeah
1: yeah yeah i was a director at nvr had two different home building divisions that reported into me so from a construction service warranty land development all, all those pieces together and and nvr if you're not familiar is is widely known as Probably the the smartest home building organization when it comes to using every dollar appropriately. It, their, their skeptics would say they're they're run by accountants with spreadsheets, and they're not necessarily the most innovative, but their earnings per share and their stock market price and their consistency in all markets, it was definitely a, a place to learn from. So yeah, what what's going on right now, Mike, is consumer confidence sentiment index, sorry, the consumer sentiment index from the University of Michigan, you know, all-time all low. And what happens for consumers when, when that sentiment gets that low, is they don't start thinking further out. Just, just as an anecdotal piece, I've been asking all the builders that I work with over the last two weeks on calls, what are, what are your big plans for 2023 personally? Think about vacations, you think about purchases, what's, what's going on in your immediate future? And the first reaction is like, oh yeah, 2023 isn't that far away, is it, Kevin? And then the second one is a blank stare of, I have no plans. And that's, a, that's really a, a negative impact to home builders because home builders have to always forecast into the future. And if you're familiar with the, the bullwhip effect as a concept, you know home builders have had to take current data and project in increasingly further out periods of time. To build a, to build a new home in, in the best of times was gonna be somewhere between three months and six months. And now for many builders, it's 12 months to, to 14 months. And so the feedback loop in the system was that if a a prospect was on my reservation list as a builder, that got me really excited. And I saw hundreds of people just waiting to be notified when they could purchase, which told all of my inputs, start as many homes as possible, build as many as possible. And in many cases, don't release them for sale because my costs are unknown. So in the first few months after the pandemic, when sales took off for home builders, Everyone got very excited, they saw great margins, and then the price increases came and, and the labor invoices started doubling. And everyone said, wait a minute, this isn't gonna work. So you got this two-sided monster happening where consumer demand has dropped dramatically for most of the country. And we can talk about some state and region specific things for builders at the same time that we have more homes currently under construction at one time than we've ever had in history. And that's causing a little bit of a standoff where unless you're offering new homes sub $325,000, even incentives around interest rates that might bring back your payment close to March 2022 levels, the buyer is still not moving on that, which tells me that in many cases, affordability is, is an objection or something that the consumer feels compelled to talk about. But if as the home builder, you're saying here's a tool to remove that objection, and the consumer still doesn't want to move forward. There's something more going on, and that's why I keep pointing back to that sentiment index as being really important.
0: Wow! So we got a, jumped <laughs> right in. We got a ton of stuff, and I'm I am frantically taking notes as we're talking. Yeah. So the consumer sentiment index, the, the University of Michigan one, is mm-hmm. all-time low. And it's wild, right? Economy is actually growing, probably. Employment's ultra low. Employment's ultra low. People have cash, like, but yet, like everything is pretty good. Yet yeah. the sentiment is worst ever. Yeah. Wild. So we have that yeah. to deal with. We have, and then it sounded like, and make sure I get this right. The signals that the builders are getting were and have been getting oh, probably over the last year was we've got tons of buyers, build as much as you can, but we have un- uncertain costs, so don't actually sell them uh-huh. until we lock in, until we know the costs. So we were, the signals that the builders were getting were were build, but don't sell it yet. Yeah. Wow. Which, and, is, and, which right, is we wild. saw the buildup, right? We saw the buildup of those. And, and so, you know, as you said, we have the most new homes under construction we've ever had.
1: Yeah, and then DR reports, DR Horton just reported, that their cancellation rate, I think went up to 24, 25%. So when you're talking about a home builder that builds 85 to 90,000 homes a year, and suddenly every every month they're, they're seeing or are projecting to continue to see 25% of those sales return to them, that means you have to, I mean, it's just like stock market goes down 10%. That doesn't mean going up 10% gets you even. That's the law of percentages, right? So yeah.
0: So that's wild. So, so then now we have, we have those. And you said, you said sub 325,000 is moving.
1: Yeah. In most, in most markets, again, most markets. the
0: markets where
1: really to me, that's the litmus test of affordability is being talked about by everyone as the main challenge. Yeah, But my, my argument would be that if someone could afford a, a half a million dollars, $750,000 home in March, There's financing products available to make that home affordable now, but they're still choosing not to move forward. And I think most of the affordability damage was done through actual price increases of pricing and not, I mean, financing has certainly been a problem, but, but there's more ways to maneuver around financing for the fluent customer than, than, than the base price of the home itself.
0: Got it. Yeah. And you can, you can see how, right. That's the, as you point out, that's the, the consumer sentiment, like. Where everybody like they think the economy is already bad, even though it's been pretty good, and the outlook yeah. is bad. Yeah. And and think, so... think about
1: all the all the places that stress comes from for the average consumer right now, Mike. And and let's say that you have financial means that historically would have allowed you to solve those same challenges. What's what's crazy about today's world is it, it doesn't really matter how much money you have. If you're flying through Europe, you've got a 40% chance of actually making that flight versus it being canceled. It doesn't matter unless you're going to fly private, which is a whole different scale of financial security. You can't solve a lot of the challenges and and sources of stress quickly or easily. And I think that leads to some of the sentiment issues that we have of. And then also when it comes to, I I put this out on, on Twitter a couple of days ago, a new home is always a luxury. Having a home, having a roof over your head is not but a new home is always a luxurious option for the consumer. And if, if you don't have margin in your life from a financial perspective, and we're seeing credit card level and usage rise, if you don't have financial margin in your current living situation, the chances that you're you know thumping on the desk with your significant other saying, we, we definitely need to consider a new home right now that will likely cost a little bit more Uh, Again, and so that's what I think is most interesting is historically, there is a connection between the amount of website activity that we can drive to a home builder's website and the number of appointments and sales that are a result of that. And in most places, for most markets, that has bifurcated. Most people would be surprised to hear that website activity for home builders is actually about 2% higher than it was a year ago in a 30-day period but conversions people interested in taking that next step requesting information scheduling an appointment pricing out a home is down almost 25%. Yeah.
0: Okay, so so people are still interested but they're not taking any action. Here's a question on that on that data. When is when how how often can it reset? So, for example, much home buying activity is seasonal, and in the yeah. Altos data, we have real strong seasonal trends. And so, one of the things that I'm looking for, for example, as we track inventory, you know, when we when we've been having inventory climb steadily each week since early March, and and then pretty rapidly, and by some measures, yeah, you know, most most rapidly increasing in you know over a decade maybe yeah. since the financial crisis so that's inventory but by the time you get to like october inventory typically curves and and you know starts falling back for the holidays resets middle of january and starts climbing again that's a typical seasonal curve so if i watch inventory keep climbing in october like that's going to be a real signal that yeah. next year is is not we're, we're like we're we're going down further from here so yeah. so and that's a that's a seasonal pivot point i can actually probably see some late july early august I, like we expect five to seven more weeks of pretty rapidly increasing inventory so then by mid-august you do your late august if it's still steep that's a signal so yeah. it, on your home on your new home web traffic to sale ratio data mm-hmm. What's the seasonality reset that we can look for there?
1: Yeah, the seasonality reset in new construction has always been similar, but just a couple months earlier than existing. And that, that kind of makes sense because if, if a home is uh, gonna be under construction, For example, the the new home selling season typically starts waning about the time that the existing home selling season is really taking off. So, mid May, new home sales are going to reduce, maybe because additional existing home inventory hits the market and that competition reduces. But also, again, the consumer has to think proactively in most cases, further out than they do on an existing home purchase. And so, we would typically see a return, a jump up, maybe as high as 10% in September, October, and then a, a clear decline through, you know, the day after Christmas or January 1st, and then accelerating into the Super Bowl. So it's similar, but different. But I think, again, what's really important for your audience to understand who might not be as familiar with new construction is home builders typically bring on new communities and new phases of existing communities, additional land inventory, right before the holidays. There's lots of reasons why, but inevitably, if you live in a colder market, Every year, everyone's talking about, well, we may or may not get that phase paved before the plant shut down due to cold weather for, for paving. Yeah, It's just a race. And so the inflection point of what will builders do, because the stress level could go exponential if they still have a lot of unsold inventory in existing phases, at the same time that a lot of new offerings are going to come to the market, they're not going to be building speculative inventory on it the same way they have been most likely. But, but then if, if, if both those things are hitting at the same time and then that return to a strong market in January doesn't happen, that's when you'll see home builders really freak out at a different level. And Cause so right now the narrative is generally like? the narrative right now, like is generally it's seasonal, like, Seasonality return to the market at exactly the worst time for builders, but July. Our inside joke in our in our world is June or July is gonna suck if you're a home builder. We just don't know which one. But every year historically, that's a month where you're you, if your sales goals haven't been cut in half, you're not gonna hit your sales goal.
0: Interesting. So that's a there's a there's a real steep se- seasonality to to home build, and and it happens. It's happening right now, and, and that's mm-hmm. really like I'm looking at that in in the Altos data too. Like, this is the time of year when inventory climbs weekly. And usually we can see it rounding the corner by now. And it's it, it hasn't really notably rounded the corner yet, but still climbing. And so, you know, how much is that seasonal? Some of that's seasonal. Some of that's counter-seasonal. And, you know, the time and it's the, you know, worst the consumer sentiment ever. Yeah, And some of that will reset in January. So that'll be really fascinating to see what what happens starting january like oh okay we have some i also
1: think people keep missing we we talk around each other for those of us on twitter especially i talk about the housing market from a home builder centric perspective which i know is the minority and wrong so i always have to clarify that but an increase in, in inventory levels can be healthy for the existing home market but Incredibly detrimental to to the new home. Like the head of NHB came out on an interview with Bloomberg last week and basically just said, "New housing is in a recession of our own industry right now." And and so when people talk about a return to healthy levels of inventory, that first question is at what price point is that inventory, and are home builders able to compete with that price point, or 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 is the demand and the price point that home builders can offer?
0: Yeah. Uh, so and, and that, the, the actual shift in well. price points is something we should hit before we, before we wrap up today, we got so much to cover the, yeah. what, what, let's though shift. So you mentioned the NAHB, the association of home builders, their sentiment came out as, with the biggest drop ever one month drop ever in their yeah. sentiment. They went from super hot to not hot in one month. Uh, so we've been talking about consumer sentiment. Let's talk <laughs> about the homebuilder sentiment.
1: Yeah, st- stress is real. You got a dichotomy between the public homebuilders, which are generally well-capitalized, much better capitalized than they were going into the great financial crisis. And so this is probably going to be an opportunity for them to continue to gain market share, to bring margin and pricing down and how that has an effect on the rest of, of the market we'll see. But a lot of people in our industry would, would say that, don't be surprised at all if kind of the first round of, of average sales price reduction that's targeted by those public builders is 10 to 15%, which would just get us back to like late 2020, early 2021 maybe on, on some pricing. But when you say as a percentage, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. For, for the medium and smaller size builders, that's where the majority of that negative sentiment is coming from. These aren't builders that we work with that do convert, but other, other you know, builders all talk, it's a very small industry. And so I know of builders in Boise who were selling 30, 40 homes a month and haven't sold a house in 60 days. I know builders in Austin, Texas, who didn't sell a single home in May and then went negative in June due to cancellations. And again, the narrative from a lot of people on the existing side is is this is actually good signs for return to a more healthy, balanced market. But additional supply over the next couple of years is primarily going to come from what we call build jobs where a customer knocks on the door and says, I would like you to build me this floor plan, please, Mike, with these options at this price. Mm-hmm. And so one of, the, one of the indicators you're about to see is like the DC metro area is a much lower speculative inventory market generally. And they're already forecasting a decline in, in permits because they're not going to build unless they have a contract a, a, as much as other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So sentiment is low because everyone has PTSD still from the great financial crisis. They know that they built too many unsold speculative inventory homes. And then again, something that never really happened to the same degree, not releasing them for sale until they hit drywall, where they're still 60, 90 days away from being totally finished has given complete lack of ability to feel where the price points should be. Like You can't feel the earth beneath your feet. I just said they've been flying high, but price discovery, when you don't have a point of reference is is really really tough
0: that's fascinating i didn't realize that that the cost structures were were preventing that signal for them and and actually incentivizing them to not sell like i and I, you can imagine yeah. you don't know what our costs are going to be early on and so we can't price it or we can we we don't want to take that risk but I didn't think about it in that scale of impact. Well, let me just give you one
1: more antidote. Again, I mentioned the bullet effect, but if if I have 400 people on an interest list for my community, that reduces my fear in starting that spec of inventory without selling it. But what builders didn't realize was that the person who was on their list was on five other lists too. They're only going to buy one house, but they're on five different lists. And so collectively everyone, and, and it just goes further up the chain, and that's how we saw all the different spikes in materials, just order as many garage doors and windows as you can, because we have the demand. But then what happened right about early June, late May, was builders going through that list and saying, congratulations, Mike, it's your turn, you can buy. And those wait lists and interest lists having shockingly, I mean, you had 150 people on the list and maybe sold two homes, whereas before that, that would have been 150 sales in the bank.
0: Yeah. That's, that is a big shift. So, so maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about what you think will happen in 2023 to new home builders and the consumer, you know, we have, we have some macro trends that we know are happening and then we have some real specific things that we're dealing with right now. So what do you see?
1: Yeah. Well, Again, if you go back to that consumer sentiment index from the University of Michigan, one of the really encouraging things about that reality is that at the lows, it never flatlines and stays there. Typically within three to six months, you get a return of 50% or more back to the previous high. Sometimes you even get back to that high. So I think what's going to happen is that builders are going to slam on the brakes from, from additional starts. There's gonna be a lot of pain. And again, it was only a quarter ago that all of the national builders saying, we don't have to cut price. Uh, They're they're gonna have to adjust, adjust pricing and work through that inventory. But then we will be on the other side of that immense pain back to a point where supply and demand are off balance. The big question about how 2023 will go is how quickly builders can reconfigure their products and offerings to hit price points that truly are affordable. So talk to a builder in North Carolina, who's been around a long time, and, and this was a two-month-ago conversation where he was like, yep, I hear you, Kevin, and we're going to roll out two-bedroom, single-family home designs, which we have never offered before. We're bringing back carpet standard in the dining room. We're looking at laminate countertops, and we'll let people option up, but we've got to do whatever we can to drive that starting price point down. And to the extent that builders are successful in, in adjusting product and renegotiating, and this is where the build-to-rent piece comes in, that's been a really strong segment of the market, lots of money addressed to that. And if, if, that, if that continues to be really strong and doesn't allow the new construction market to reset in terms of material costs, labor costs and land costs, that, that was the bright side of the great financial crisis is builders who made it through, bought the land that they were still selling from some, in many cases up through 2018, 2019. Right. And so that reset needs to happen for us to get back to a healthy new construction market.
0: And so, are you saying the build-to-rent industry that the the really it's big Wall Street money, mm-hmm. is is pre- may prevent the reset from happening, or may I really hope not?
1: Yeah, it, it might because not too long ago there there were articles and feeders going out from these companies saying, "Hey, any home builder who doesn't want to buy a piece of property that you've 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 gone into contract on, you don't want to close on it, we'll take it and we won't even renegotiate the deal. We'll just take
0: it. We'll just take, we'll take it."
1: So if that kind of situation happens where, you know, that reset doesn't take place because there's another pool of money just saying we'll take it because we still just don't have the the bandwidth, the 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 velocity that we need, that, that could cause more pain. Now again, it brings on supply of a house. It's just not an owner,
0: which And does it and does it maybe like right now when you think when you think about the builders who were selling fifty a month and now they're negative. 2 months later that's you know me, tens of millions of dollars of revenue shift uh-huh. and and so that sounds catastrophic
1: uh-huh. i think i think i i would not be surprised if those same builders i mentioned continue to struggle as poorly or as much as they have been for another 60 days okay and i, I think it's it's the people who understand 60 days, that
0: 60 days but not not 24 months no Okay. No.
1: Yeah. But but that's gonna be because that pain is gonna force I mean a lot of builders still have margins. Historically, a home builder's goal, especially a public builder, is ten percent final net margins, which means you have to sell the home and make in the in the low to mid twenties at minimum to hit ten percent net. In the pandemic, there were builders in the in the low forties. And right. and there still are builders trying to sell their homes and having little success in the mid-30s. So it's they, they have the opportunity. It's, it's just, there's still this belief and and we'll see how it pans out that there still is almost no completely finished inventory for home builders around the country. When I ask the 65 builders you work with, how many of you in any one market have more than 10 completely finished single family homes? Almost no one. I think there was two that replied back, Houston and, and one other market that I can't think of off my head. So when a home is finished, as long as the price is reasonable, it's still selling at almost any price. The problem is that that builders are looking at this flood of homes that have been delayed and delayed and delayed. And, and their fear is it's all going to hit at one time and not be sold. So and in markets like Boise and Austin, you're starting to see that come to fruition.
0: For sure. And, and the, the, those two markets, Salt Lake City, also the big inbound Migration markets, especially from California, during the pandemic, and and then that stopped in a big way this year. Yeah. The, and and we can see those in in the Altos data with you know the with the per, the percent of homes taken price reductions, and we can we can watch those climb. And they are climbing the most steeply to the highest levels in those markets. Like it's exactly yeah.
1: and again that that builder that I referenced in Boise. Also, the, the owner said but we've been selling at 40% margins for two years. Uh And so we'll be just fine, but they are going to have to make changes. And again, because of the long timetables in what we do, you know, pausing now won't really hit the labor market for another 60, 90 days at the beginning. And then you can start, but, but then those homes aren't starting construction until February and so i know and you're an expert on this obviously you're you're you just came out with your predictions for the whole rest of this year and and spring of next year so you're you're a yeah fortune too
0: and it'll be real i mean and and the new construction is a wild card for me you know we don't we what well, the way the the Elto's data and new construction works we can see things move in tandem in pricing you know i if i'm in the market for buying a home maybe you know, the new home, a new construction is the luxury purchase, but it's still a, it's still a pretty solid trade-off. And so yeah, we can because so much of things. the housing
1: stock is older and you don't want to live in a house with seven or eight foot ceilings. Yeah. Uh, specifically if it's got popcorn on it. And so uh, to be clear before we run completely out of time, while I think the short term is extremely negative and painful for builders, um, there will be builders who find a way. My, my favorite time in the business was when I was in Pittsburgh from 07, 2012 which were not great years for home builders but but our company grew by 20% every year by stealing market share and so builders will figure this out and again the the big builders are much better capitalized but but does that lead us to more consolidation i know someone on twitter asked if you know, thoughts on other methods of construction that might need to come about. And we're certainly seeing that in multifamily in particular. There's an amazing company called Volumetric Building Systems, I think is their name. And, and manu- manufacturing changes in the, have been around really since the 50s when panelization went mainstream of, of constructed wall panels. But builders will keep building. The, the question is how many builders will be able to see as similar velocities as they have in the past versus having to maximize profit on each unit.
0: Yeah and so okay so this is actually a good segue the thinking about new construction types and and I'm interested I when we do these interviews I'm I'm very much interested in your view of the future and some of the 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 macro trends that we've been dealing with are so we talked about cost of building and we've talked about mm-hmm. the 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 price point that that the home builders can deliver at the price point's been climbing a ton And that and the cost. So part of its cost, part of its margin. But but the costs have been materials costs and also human costs. And that human labor shortage and has been dramatic. I think for Mm -hmm. for home builders, especially post 2016, when we lopped off immigration. So is that is is does uh, is labor still you know. A, a, a problem there? Does it change? Does, do we see anything changing there? And maybe da, do things like like new construction, mo, you know, approaches, that yeah. they allow us to be less labor intensive in home building over the next decade? What, what are some things that, for us? To I hope to so.
1: That? But I think one of the trends that's going to have to allow for that is the, is the consumer relenting on the idea of personalization. Which is a is a big force pushing back in the other direction. That's why multifamily, I think, has is going to lead the way on this. And there's there's home building organizations in Japan where you know everything they do is manufactured. Yep. Completely different market and reasons why. But when I say give up on the idea of personalization is HGTV and and what people expect if they're going to purchase a home in terms of being able to personalize or or make selections it can it absolutely can be curated to what the majority of people want but what the majority of people want and what they can afford has probably never been again further apart (laughs) and and that's that's where the the builder or developer who finds the strength to say we are going to look at the affordability level and build whatever that is and that's where most of them are, are uncomfortable with that. Again, suburban developer in Atlanta, bringing out a one bedroom townhome, it's like, no one's going to want this. This is nowhere in the marketplace. But then they sold out because it hit an affordability and a price point that, and that's that, that's the challenge of, of manufacturing in different methods is the amount of variety of options that you truly can't, like you can, you can offer them, but then it breaks apart because when you fully assemble something in a factory and then drop it off on the job site and it doesn't fit exactly right. And, and a big trade-off there is you're going to hire less skilled labor to put those pieces together generally. So when things go wrong, they go horribly wrong often. And the more variety and how it could go horribly wrong again, that, expense on an Excel spreadsheet and profit margin you think is going to be there can can change on a dime, let alone the customer experience.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. And and so you think that some of that is the reason why that many, maybe, maybe the home building industry has been maybe slow to adopt some of the technological changes. It's still really pretty bespoke.
1: Yeah. You think, you think about like the 3D printing technology that, that everyone's seen with, with the, with the concrete material is is really incredible and exciting, but the majority of builders are building what is being requested of them to be built. Yeah. And, and the consumer is not walking around saying, I would, I would be willing to, to trade off any material selections in my home for the sake of, uh, of X, Y, and Z. And also the, the manufacturing, the more you go into a true manufacturing process, one of the builders I worked for, Miranda, we switched to, to steel joist systems on the floor, out from wood, not due to cost, but due to, the, at the time, the variability in the material that the machines required. So you can't have, it's like a car. If cars were made out of wood, it'd be a disaster because you've got humidity, expansion, contraction, ex, all these things that can throw the machine off and the robot doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And then when you have steel prices go through the roof, not, now what do you do as a builder when your whole system is designed? So not having the flexibility in the system is another, another big challenge. It's replacing one wood material with another wood material on the job site one at a time. is easy.
0: Yeah, and, and of course, you know, no great, no great market innovation ever came because the customer asked for it, right? It's exactly. Like, so but the, but the economies
1: of scale necessary to put it out in the world and say, all right, we're going to build 100 homes that no one asked for in a way that no one's ever asked for before.
0: is scary. It's hard, to get, <laughs> it's hard yeah. to get
1: people to bite off on that.
0: Yeah, it's super scary, but then you don't get your, you know, you don't get your Steve Jobs with the iPhone. Every once in a while mm-hmm. you get a visionary builder. You get an Eichler or something who's mm-hmm. who's uh, you know decides to do that and and but that's that's a real fascinating challenge. Okay, so so in this context of thinking about where the home building world goes over the next let's say decade, one of the arguments that that I love he- hearing different perspectives on is are we building enough? Are we mm-hmm. underbuilding? You know, we, we, there are some folks like Ivy Zellman who are really smart who have been talking about how we're not underbuilding at all. What's your take on, yeah, um, construct like the total volume for the country? Yeah,
1: I, I'm, I'm much more in Ivy's camp than, than anyone else. I, I, again, it's, it's not that we don't need more homes. But we need homes at price points that home builders can't deliver and so when you're talking about in a market like where where i live in in central ohio if the average new home is going to be half a million dollars or higher all the demand and the lack of supply is on the starter home because the people who want who can afford a starter home they they have the demand the investors want that because that's the you know lowest cost per unit acquisition that they can turn around into a rental and so all of the demand is, is, is focused on this area that most home builders can't meet. And that's again, why the single family build to rent move has a lot of momentum behind it. But I, I think that's what we're seeing is we have overbuilt too many high end homes. And again, the consumer's definition of high end, it only keeps getting higher or, or lower, sorry. It only keeps getting lower, right? Like if you talk to the average young millennial, I'm an old millennial, but if you talk to a young millennial, you would say, would you consider living in a home that didn't have granite and stainless and hardwood floors? No, that's, an, that's entry level. That's, that's my expectation. Yeah. And so again, that's where this reinvention I think is gonna have to happen. And that's why I don't think that rising interest rates are going to help because most builders, again, the majority of the home, homes being built still are not being built by those public companies, but by lots of small and medium home building organizations. Those folks will not be building inventory unless people request them to build it moving forward if they have a contract. And so higher interest rates, while it might bring on more existing inventory, will not add more supply over time. And so I, I think we're overbuilding right at this moment. And then very likely we're gonna be drastically underbuilt unless rates and affordability again get reset.
0: Get reset. So or
1: we're gonna turn into Renner nation, like like Rob Hahn talks about all the time.
0: Yeah. And is there uh- is there a a path to affordability in new construction? Unfortunately,
1: not really, because the amount of impact fees and, and taxes and infrastructure that is put on home building projects means that in most cases, if the land was free in most parts of the country, which land typically is the largest cost basis going into a new home, if the land was free, most builders around the country still couldn't offer a home below 300 no, so. so it's that that that's where I, I keep trying to look for the light at the end of the tunnel there, but I think it it either comes from, again an acceptance of home being less grand maybe than it has before, but is that okay to to tell you know the next generation that they can't have the same thing that we've all had but but tr- truly no
0: <laughs> and does that mean that starter homes are existing homes and the really the only way the new construction ends up is 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 in luxury or high-end
1: yeah and again the single family build for rent like it's not uncommon for those payments to be 1800 to, to 2300 a month for a single family home the finishes on that home are going to be probably less or, or more more austere but it's still going to be a detached single family home product and so th- there's a lot of home builders are getting into that as a second business offering, and then they're going to offer incentives for those people who are renting to buy a home from them, almost like you're building equity while you're renting. Yeah. And, and other, I think it's Divi Homes that's that's doing that really interesting approach to, we'll buy the home, let you rent from us for three years, and while you build equity, then you buy it back from us at the at the original price you bought it. But my hunch is that the government ends up doing something with, with financing you know, bringing the, the 40-year mortgage to the rest of the country that you Californians have enjoyed for for so long. You know, Europe's talking about 50-year mortgages, and, and maybe that helps, but again, if the cost part of home building doesn't reset, then all that's going to happen is as soon as those programs get released, prices are going to go higher. Prices go, yeah,
0: prices adjust yeah. to that. Yep. Yeah, th- those are really tricky uh, it'll be fascinating to see if we have some te- technological changes that can be adopted that the consumer likes that actually help bring that down, bring that cost down. We have you know, part of the during the pandemic of course, we had skyrocketing commodity costs. Some of those have turned the corner and they're coming back down. Yeah. Are the yeah. costs on garage door like at the garage doors and the lumber's coming back down has come back down. I don't watch it super closely, yeah. but is that right? Yeah, lumber, lumber's
1: come back down and that's great. But again, we, we work with a, a multifamily developer who pre-sold a third of a, a 20, I think it was a 20 million low rise urban infill project. And then they got the cost back and it ended up being 12, $12 million more. And they won't even tell them how much something like doors are going to be. It's just like, this is the cost and these four line items, we'll just see when we get there. Yeah. And, and so again, even right now, and this leads to the, to the sentiment levels of builders. Most builders are still seeing construction taking longer, not shorter, they're not seeing relief on that yet. And they're also continuing to get price increases sent to them. Now they're able to push back more than they have in some areas and some builders are reporting that labor has come back around and said, hey, we'll do it for a little bit less this time to keep busy, but it's not the relief that we need in order to see that that change that, that we're all hoping for.
0: So fascinating. So, so that's but the next. Can I ask you a question? Actually, yes, sir.
1: Selfishly, because, because yeah. I got the, the existing home expert here, the, the, one of the, one of the bright sides could be that existing homes never return to the supply levels of days of yore. And that means that your only option in many parts of the country, once we work through this inventory caused by the bull effect, then maybe that is a bright shot, shining opportunity for builders to again at elevated margins and elevated prices but there's no other option than new construction
0: does that yeah i think that's possibly? a real possibility we we have we have obviously rising inventory now but we're still mm-hmm. half of what we were even in 2019
1: yeah and, and the new so, listings that are coming on the good homes are still selling fast right
0: right and and it sounds like that's happening that's true in new construction as well yeah even today Mm -hmm. even today mid-july when or late july when we're recording this and i think we'll get this will go out really quickly here but but so that's really interesting to hear right it's and it's the right price points the right places that are completed in they're going and so i do think it's i think it's a, a real possibility that you know we have i have a I have a vacation home in the mountains and it's now financed at 2.8%. <laughs> you know, it my mortgage payment on that is less than the rent I paid in San Francisco on a two-bedroom apartment 24 years ago, Wow! right? And so like, I'm never getting rid of that that mm-hmm. you know, like why would I ever get rid of it? Mm-hmm. Rents are still high, you know, in, in Tahoe, maybe the reason you get rid of it is because the whole place is gonna burn, you can't get insurance. <laughs> so, you know, like <laughs> there may be a risk there, but 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 it's but it's like you know, in and in, in the whole country is that way with the existing stock. So mm-hmm. what's gonna be fascinating to me is like what is the 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 final natural rate. Of do I do I move and sell and you you know we you, you could consider having a million homes on the market existing homes on the market at any given time over the last decade a million would be actually low but but call it a million it might be a million too but let's call it a million and we're still just over five hundred thousand right now it's climbing it'll climb through the year and there's a real scenario where. Okay, next spring it resets and we come back down and we start the year in the 550,000 range and and so we and because so at least until the boomers finally start dying and then then maybe there because you know the boomers own everything. Yeah. And,
1: Biggest transfer of wealth right, from ever in the US will be boomers. But and most of that will be real estate is my understanding.
0: It'll be, be a chunk of it, a big chunk in real estate. And so those folks will, at some point, that transfer has to happen is probably three, five years, you know, in their 80s, like that kind of stuff is going to end up happening. And so maybe at that point, we get back to more inventory, like back to our previous normal levels. I, I have I could imagine multiple years at higher interest rates. So each year, you know, what happens then is that the investor deals, fewer of them pencil out. So at, at a higher cost of money. So each year, instead of having more homes going into rental, we just said they, you know, people just sell them instead of holding on to them as rentals. So that adds, you know, active inventory back in. So a couple of years of that you can imagine building us back up back to normal or like maybe a big job loss recession where like you can imagine that triggering in there too.
1: And I think that's also opportunity for, for home builders. I was talking to a builder this morning in South Carolina, North Carolina, and they just recently started offering in select communities only mind you the ability to select your floor plan and the options that you want in your home to truly build a house for a customer. And they're seeing strong interest in that because they're still relatively first time move up in some cases, first time home buyer price points. And that's historically been one of the reasons people choose new construction is they've exhausted the existing market options and there's nothing there that, that suits their needs. Because again, a lot of old housing stock in, in the US and they say, well, I, I'll take a hundred fewer square feet for you know, nine, 10 foot ceilings, energy efficiency and smart home and, and and just the layout of the home that I want. So. Again, if there's if there's low supply and the only homes that are staying on the market for long periods of times are the ones that are overpriced or just not, not attractive, then that yeah. that gives home builders opportunity too.
0: Do you notice a difference right now in some of like the Midwest markets? Are they slowing but not as slow? Uh, yeah.
1: Not- it's super interesting. And I actually sent you some slides. We don't I don't think we have them to, to pull up for everyone here, but we do have an aggregate data set of about now 18 billion dollars of new homes that are sold a year of website activity and conversion data. So real- time, what are consumers doing on websites? It's about two million, two and a half million, sorry, users a month that we track, visits to, to build our websites. And the Midwest is, I think, mostly due to affordability, actually outpacing in terms of lead conversion. So the total number of people coming to websites is not as high as in the South or, or the West. But at a much greater extent, people are willing to take the next step towards purchase. Whereas in, in places like Southern States, Tennessee to Louisiana to Florida, that conversion data is about 40% lower than it was last year. Still lots of people looking, but way fewer people willing to take the next step. And again, a lot of it has to do, Mike, with, it's a blessing and a curse that this inventory isn't finished. But the consumer looks at a, at a home that is 90% done. And again, highly skeptical that that home will be finished when promised. And if it's not finished, what the hell am I going to do? Because rentals are hard to find. Short-term rentals, forget about it. I've got an employee who seriously, they're moving from North Carolina to Iowa. They, they signed a short-term lease agreement for eight, eight weeks while their new home was being finished. The landlord e- emailed the day before and said, never mind, I, I didn't countersign. And I ended up giving your, your home to someone for a year's lease instead. So you don't have anywhere to live. She checked out Airbnb options. She was thinking about getting an RV and parking it somewhere for, for, for the time. Like there was, and now she's staying in an extended stay hotel, which until yesterday told her she was gonna have to move out for the weekend because they had overbooked the rooms and would have to move back in. So with the consumers trying to, to juggle all of this and can't have faith of the home being completed, they're just saying this is awesome, but I think prices might go down a little bit. And also, I don't know when the home is going to be done, and I I can't have that much uncertainty in my life, so I'll just wait.
0: Yeah, and can you you know how how easily could eight weeks slip to four months? It, it, you know, in that <laughs> yeah. right, it, it it could be like, hey, we don't have the whatever this this component, uh, uh-huh. we're not so yeah, that's a really really fascinating part. I'm really I'm really fascinated about whether. The, the dynamic that we have right now of the the build a rents force and whether that actually keeps a floor on price falls and inventory clock ceiling on inventory and 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 because there's a lot of capital there or whether that that stops and and then we have a whole new set of inventory crisis of you know, all this, like we were building, assuming we we're going to sell 40% of them to an investor group. And now we're not going to sell any of those. And Oh, by the way, they're unloading the existing ones that they have. Like that could be a, that could be a real negative scenario. If those guys. Well, that's make,
1: Yeah. Connected to that. The thing that I've, if there's, cause I, again, I great financial crisis was my favorite part of my career. If I'm being honest. so So that, that part doesn't really make me nervous. The only part that's kept me up at night was thinking all this institutional money, that says we have zero plans to sell ever. Why would we? What else would yeah. we do with that money? It's great hedge against inflation. Rents are gonna keep going up. But you know, if if your stock price drops 90% in a month and you have to sell something or other assets that you hold tank, and I think there's a real risk of this with, with what happened to crypto and the potential contagion there. Because funny, funny enough, Mike, we don't hear stories about a lot of people buying homes with Bitcoin anymore or selling homes from TikTok. I don't know what happened to, to all those but they've gone away. But but this idea of an institutional investor having to sell not because they want to sell, but in times of stress you have to sell what you can. And and it wouldn't necessarily be a national problem, but in certain markets that would be a whole different kind of stress. And we saw we kind of got a little sample of that when Zillow exited iBuying. You know, it was no easy feat it turns out to sell 8,000
0: homes at uh, the turn. Yeah, they back. still have some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that'll be really a fascinating. That's a, a wild card. It it looks like right now that that those those firms are well capitalized enough that they're that they're not gonna be unloaded. It's not gonna create a negative yeah. cycle and may yeah. create a floor. It'd be really surprising if if that if that happens when we come out next spring. And all of a sudden, well, it's still not that many homes for sale, and you know prices are here; they haven't adjusted down, and mm-hmm. the good ones are moving, and the lousy ones don't anymore. Takes I, I think the other
1: thing that that gets people confused is they look at pre-GFC the amount of homes being constructed nationally, and they think that was normal. Well, that wasn't normal. That was way more homes than were necessary, not just due to crazy financing, but it was a, a similar rush to get as many homes under construction. And so then we paid for that by, by having homes sitting, you know, homes sitting in the uh, unsold, newly constructed, or having birthdays. I remember one of the, one of the companies I worked for a home had sat for three years after it was finished being built. So, so what was normal levels of new, new home construction? I think we're a lot of people I see are biased towards a return to 2005, 2006 levels or, or somewhere in between. And I think, again, the thing that, I really appreciate about what Ivy keeps pointing us to is anything that provides a roof over your head is housing and you can't just look at single family permits or multifamily permits or build to rent in separate buckets. It's all housing. And when you, when you do that with the demographics and, and the affordability issues that that's where I think she's right in the short term.
0: That's fascinating. So let me get one prediction from you, and then we'll wrap up the, pre- and okay. the or the, the 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 your guidance. So what is the right number of homes to build a year now uh, and going forward? What what's what's healthy?
1: My my hunch is closer to like one million, one point two.
0: Okay, one point two a year, which which
1: would still be a lot.
0: Yep, and, and be right because more than more than we've been doing
1: 1.65 under construction right now
0: they're under construction right but but that's like they're stacked up for for a long time Uh so they so um, if they're
1: stacked up and when they become available again it's that it's that lag thing that makes it really hard does that then mean we only need to really build 750 in a year to catch up
0: Right, know, or, right.
1: Or or that, that that's what we just or is that catching now.
0: up from because we weren't for a decade at five hundred thousand or six hundred thousand. Right. Mm-hmm. So are we catching up? Yeah, I guess there? I guess
1: my asterisks on my one million number would be only those homes, again, are going to have to look different and be at a different price level and product type than they have been in order to maintain that. So, again, my my million would include build to rent. Yeah. Would include, you know. Not, not just traditional you know, what we think of as home builder
0: activity. Amazing. Really, really great conversation. I appreciate your insight, Kevin. It's exactly why we want to have this, like the, 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 the talk because I don't know anything about that, all those nuances of new home construction. So I really appreciate it and the marketing of it. So before we go, where should people find you and do you convert? If, you know, we do have some yeah. home builder clients at Altos. So they, so, you know, maybe they'll meet you along the way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, DoYouConvert.com. Also, I've worked really hard at this. You can just Google Kevin Oakley, and I'll appear as the number one search result, make it make it really easy for you. People are always surprised, by the way. Uh, co- company's very busy. I'm very busy. But home building is my, my hobby, my job, my entertainment, my everything. And so it always surprises people when they shoot me a message, or they'll, they'll find my phone number and text me, and they're like, you're going to reply to me at seven o'clock. And by the way, my business partner's like, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't invite that. But I, it's, it's really other than Ohio State football and pancakes, the only things that I think about. And so happy to talk about, about it with anyone at any time.
0: That's great. And, and Twitter, a great follow on Twitter, Kevin Oakley on Twitter as yep. well. So, okay. Kevin Oakley, do you convert.com, talking new home construction, and a lot of the macro trends really, really neat conversation. I really appreciate having you on the Top of Mind podcast. Everybody, this has been the Top of Mind podcast. I'm Mike Simonson from Altos Research. You can find the podcast on our YouTube channel, which you can, if you don't already subscribe to that, subscribe to that. And if you are thinking about the data, you can get Newcomb. You can you can connect with Kevin for see it watching what's happening in new construction or Altos Research when you really need to turn that data into reaching your customers who are wildly afraid right now. What is happening, and they really need the data. So visit AltosResearch.com, connect with us, and we will see you all again in a week or so on the podcast. Thanks everybody. Thanks Kevin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Top of Mind. See you again next time and be sure to click subscribe to get future episodes.